G'day listeners, welcome to the Braintainment Podcast. My name's Liam O'Donnell and this show will, we hope, truly educate and entertain you with a mission to do a couple of things. Firstly, to blend the world of personal development with pop culture and making the conversation around self-improvement, philosophy, things of that nature far more sexy and more impactful for the masses. One way we do that is through these conversations, either with just myself or with some incredible people that will feature on the show from a wide variety of worlds such as neuroscience, health and fitness, philosophy, business, sports, leadership, and even the entertainment space, which will be very exciting. The second part of our mission is to raise $1 million towards brain injury recovery and brain research, which is very dear to my heart. You can hear more about that on our social channels. In recent years, I've become obsessed with the idea of learning. And not only has this had real world benefits like skill acquisition, and a far more powerful approach to life, but I've bloody loved the process. And my hope with this show is to do the same for you, to add real value, but to help you fall in love with learning again and have a lot of fun along the way. So for now, subscribe and enjoy the show. G'day folks, welcome back to the Braintainment Podcast. Today's a special one. We're joined by Andrew Sturgis, senior coach of the VFL footy side, Coburg Lions, and host of the new podcast show, Emergence, where he dives deep into the mindset of some elite performers who are featured on the show. He was appointed senior coach of the Coburg Lions in August 2019, and also made 21 appearances for the club in the 2014-2015 seasons, where he was a well-respected member of both the playing and leadership group. He returned for the 2017 season, this time as an assistant coach responsible for the midfield before departing the club at the end of 2018 to take up the senior coaching role with Northern Footy League Division 1 side Bundura. Sturge is a former Northern Knights player in his teenage years. He's also represented Northcote and Carlton in Victorian Premier Cricket and he's also a school teacher by trade. As I mentioned at the top, he's also recently launched the podcast Emergence featuring a range of incredibly successful and very impressive guests such as Nick Maxwell, Collingwood Premiership captain, Brent Harvey, North Melbourne superstar, Gary Ayres, another AFL legend, and many more. So we're joined today by a man of many talents, but perhaps most impressively, someone who has a genuine thirst for learning and constantly improving themselves, which will come through pretty clearly when he communicates. And it's why I'm so excited to bring him on the show for a chat today. I know anyone listening will get a lot of value from it. So with that said, welcome Sturge. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me on the show. Mate, firstly, the podcast emerged. It's brilliant. I've been listening and we're going to chat about that today. But I want to start with your coaching, which I know is something you're very passionate about. Was that something that you'd always wanted to get into? And what is it that you, you love about it, I guess? Yeah, it was. Um, however, I probably got into it a little bit quicker than maybe I anticipated. And it's sort of, yeah, you mentioned there about my playing at Coburg and it's it's funny you're reading out that sort of stuff. And you mentioned that I've got the podcast and the, the resume and the the information that I read out about my guests compared to what you just read out about me is um, somewhat embarrassing. But anyway, um, we'll move on from that. <laughs> yeah, but but coaching, like I said, it sort of came about where I'll take it back to my, my playing days at Coburg and I played the my first year there in 2014 as a 23-year-old. Um, so I went down as a sort of mature ager, played every game that year. And um, at the start of the 2015 season, I was preparing myself to play another full season and, you know, was really fit and really ready to go for the season. And the last practice game before round one, I actually had a bit of an accident in a in a game where I ended up uh, having a hairline fracture in my T2 in my spine and an ambulance had to come. I was in a neck brace and couldn't move and spent the night in hospital and 
uh, was forced out for the first, uh, I think it was 13 or 14 weeks of that season. And it just so happens that previously, probably two or three weeks before that, I approached Peter German, who was my coach at the time. And like you mentioned, I'm a teacher by trade and, uh, and, uh, and I just mentioned to him that, you know, coaching something that I feel like I'll get into post my playing days. Um, but would he mind if I shadowed him or he passed on some information, uh, you know, that I could see what was going on behind the scenes because, you know, I obviously understand that it's not just as simple as a coach turning up and um, putting all this wisdom upon their players. There's a lot that goes into it that a lot of people probably wouldn't know or see. And, and then when that injury happened and that happened, it was a bit of a, I suppose, an opportunistic moment where I sort of took that opportunity and that uh, 13 to 14 weeks to basically shadow Peter German and become his right-hand man. So through that experience, you know, I went to all the match committees and training. I did vision with players. I became a somewhat of a development coach during that time. And that sort of really sparked my interest for, for coaching. And uh, at the end of the 2015 season, I ended up finishing my playing days at Coburg and went back and played a full year at Seymour Football Club in 2016 with one of my best mates, Ben Clifton, who was a champion of the Coburg Football Club. And at the start of the 2017 season, like you mentioned, I got a sort of phone call out of the blue, really. And it was Peter German saying that, look, Sturge, I think you'd be a great coach one day. We've got a midfield coaching opportunity at the moment. It means you'd have to cut your career a little bit short and probably share duties between playing and coaching. Play on Saturdays if Coburg had a Sunday game, for example. And initially, I actually said... Um, I said no, and right. my wife Bianca, she was, she was actually the one that said you're an idiot, and <laughs> it's a fantastic opportunity and one that you shouldn't be passing up. So because of that, I then turned around, quick smart, and rang Jermo back and said, "Yep, look, I'll I'll take it." So I was only 27 at the time, midfield assistant coach of a VFL side, my first coaching gig. So yeah, it was a somewhat a baptism of fire, but um, you know, I feel like I did a reasonably good job, and then. In 2018, uh, yeah, assistant coach under Lee Adams. And then at the end of the 2018 season, I approached Lee and our general manager, Sebastian Spagnolo and said, look, what's my next evolution? They said, we think that you could be a senior coach at VFL or higher. We feel like the best thing for you to do right now is to go and coach your own team at local level. So I did. Coach Bandura didn't do a great job, to be honest with you, mate. Um, <laughs> took a club that had played finals for 19 years in a row and uh, we finished second last and yeah, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. But again, even even that in itself was a massive learning opportunity for me and yep. probably grew me as a coach that if we had have just kept winning games, maybe I wouldn't have. And yeah, so uh, like I said, it sort of come about a little bit earlier than I expected. And now I'm 30 years old, senior coach of a VFL club and right in the position where I want to be in life. Man, that's fantastic. Do you feel like there's there's been a more of a shift in the coaching world? And I think you know about this a lot more than I would, but I'd love to get your thoughts on it. More of a shift in the coaching world in general towards adopting a more uh, philosophical approach, I suppose. There there seems to be a lot more conversation around self-improvement, learning, character, things of that nature, uh, not just for coaches, but their players too. Would you agree? And should you maybe share some thoughts around that? Firstly, 100%. I think... Um... You're right that yeah, over the if you go back to the the days of the '80s where it was a coach that was um, somewhat demanding and uh, uh, almost a dictator at times, to compared to now where it's a more inclusive and collaborative approach between players, coaches, um, high performance staff, the board, and and I think the, the the one word that a lot of 
let's use football clubs, but even businesses and every organisation really should be looking to achieve is alignment. Because I think if you have that across your club, across your business, across your organisation, whatever whatever you're involved in, you're going to get the best out of uh, everybody. You're going to see return on investment. You're going to see results. And really, that's what everybody's after. But it's more the process of how you do that. So Certainly philosophically, um, and it's something that I'm big on, better people make better athletes. And yep. that's one thing that, uh, yeah, we've certainly, uh, I've tried to come across in my coaching is that I want to know the athlete before, I, sorry, I want to know the person before I know the athlete. I don't, um, you know, because without knowing who they are, what matters to them, what's going to get the best out of them, I can't work on the technical or tactical. So for us at Coburg, you know, we do a lot of stuff around self-improvement, learning away from football because really everybody has an expiry date in football, in sport, even in business and the career. We all have a retirement. So to then be able to go on in life afterwards, a better person than when they came in, that's really important to us. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I think that's pretty evident in the way you the way you talk about the players and, and your coaching role there. Um, and I have no doubt that as your career evolves, mate, that um, as you'd be well aware, you're going to continue to improve and, and have more of an impact with the people that um, that come into your ecosystem, I suppose. You're clearly very passionate about what you're doing and, and have some great insights uh, into how you will evolve as a coach, which is really intriguing. And it's interesting watching from afar, but then being able to have a conversation like this to, to pick your brain a little bit is always really interesting to me. What's your ultimate goal with coaching and what does the process look like to get there? My ultimate goal is to coach AFL as a senior coach and obviously win premierships and be successful. That's my ultimate goal. And I'm not afraid to say that. And, and it's a it's a good message for anybody that does tune into this is that don't be afraid to actually tell people what your goals are, what your ambitions are, and to tell a story about yourself and how you're going to get there and why you're going to get there. Because it's amazing the power in you telling a story about yourself and then how that flips. And then eventually, once people actually start to see your actions and behaviours back that up and they can see you progressing towards that goal, they'll start to tell the story for you. And then all it becomes is a ride and a wave of momentum where you've actually got people in your corner and behind you that are encouraging you to get there. You've got a ton of belief um, in what you're doing and where you want to get to. And I think people are often too scared to, to put it out there that, this is what they want to achieve because it's actually easier to conform when there's no expectation, when there's um, you know no real goal in place. It's easier to actually go day by day and operate on autopilot. Where you know for me that's my end goal. But what I'll do along the way is I'll really focus on the process of okay, well, how do I get there and what do I need to do? And I think a lot of people in life have an outcome in mind, but they're not dedicated to the process of getting there. They want the dream but they're not willing to put in the work to actually achieve it. So one of the quotes, and you know, if you want a little bit of wisdom, this is uh, sort of how I lead my life is leave everything in a better place than when I found it. And by doing that, what I'm then working towards is my ultimate goal because um, if I come into an organisation but I've got, I'm using that as a stepping stone and not invested or dedicated to giving my all there, one, I'm actually not going to improve and um and get better myself, but I'm not genuine and I'm not real. And that'll quickly get found out. So again, bringing it back to what's a story that other people are telling about you, your actions will show that. And if you're behaving that way in that environment, because you've got your dream and your goal in mind, but you're not focused on the process and leaving it in a better place, 
the story that get told about you is they're all for show. They're not real. And for me, I'm not afraid to put it out there, like I said, because that's what I want to achieve. And I think what I think what I've been able to do over time is people see that my work rate and my actions back it up to where I want to get to. Mate, that is uh, that is very well said, and there is a lot of wisdom in that. I hope people are able to extract it, which I'm sure they sure they will. Something I always talk about a lot, or try to anyway, and saying that I believe very deeply in is this idea of having a north star, a guiding light, I suppose, and that ultimate objective, which you've spoken really eloquently about there which is exactly what I want you to do. So thanks very much. Um, and I do hope people really take that message and apply it to whatever they're working on, whether it's, you know, a sporting endeavor or a coaching opportunity, you know, business uh, or even relationships. So having that no- that North Star is really, really important. I think clarity creates power um, and having that clarity clearly is something that you have. And yeah, it, it is a massive opportunity for people to explore. And the other thing that I, I'm really passionate as well, which came across with what you were just sharing is, I guess, falling in love with the process um, of learning. So having that North Star, but then also really loving the process of learning and improving and getting better in the pursuit of that is really important too. So having those two things, I think is, is a big opportunity for people and you explained it very well there, mate. I think one thing I wanted to add to that as well is that nothing's linear either. You know, you, you're going to have a goal and you're going to have a dream and put that out there. But don't think that it's as simple as getting from point A to point B. There's nothing linear about life. So most people don't actually reach their full potential because, like I said, it's actually easier to conform than it is to face adversity and navigate your way through it. So when you are, when you do put your goal out there, just understand that there's going to be speed humps and there's going to be adversity that you face along the way. But it's actually how you face that and move forward. Are you going to quit and conform or are you going to find a a side door and continue to push forward um, in your pursuit of what you want to achieve? So true. Very, very true. And and I feel like people can fall into the trap. And I know I have in certain areas of my life over the years of almost having the expectation of that pursuit being a little bit linear. uh, And it's a good way to put it. So that when those speed humps and those challenges inevitably come up, you know, if you're not expecting it, it can be hard to navigate through and it's easy to lose that momentum, I suppose. And uh, like I said, as a result, people uh, unfortunately might just fall short of their potential and, and stop that pursuit. A hundred percent. And and what often stops it is not not ourselves. It's actually others around us, all right? And I'll, I'll put it to you and anybody listening. Think of a time that you've ever been really brave, really motivated, you'd ha- you've had an idea in your head and you've seen it, you've visualized it and you want it to come to life and you can you can see it, you can feel it, it's going to be possible. And then you go and tell somebody, the first thing that they will do is question it. All right? They'll play devil's advocate and they'll put doubt in your mind. The challenge there is to actually push aside that doubt, push aside what they're saying and continue to believe in what you believe in because really that's all that matters. You know, um, there's a fantastic quote by Brene Brown, who I just love her work. and She's great. It goes, it's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena getting their ass kicked. If you're not in the arena getting your ass kicked, I don't care what you have to say. And I just love that quote because there's a lot of people that talk a big game. There's a lot of people that um, have all the advice and whatever in the world, but they're not the ones in the arena. You're in the arena and don't let anybody that's not in the arena tell you what you should or shouldn't be doing or put doubt in your mind. Mate, I'm uh, I'm grinning from ear to ear. That's uh, It's very powerful and really well said and 
mate, you couldn't be, you couldn't be any more spot on. So I really appreciate you um, sharing those those and expanding a little bit more um, on that on that note. I suppose it was that was that was massive, mate. Just to, it comes across again. I've said it a couple of times, but very clearly in the way you talk, the personal development and, and improving yourself is very important to you. I'd love to know your thoughts around um, that approach to life in all areas outside of sports. I know you're a father, uh, a father now, you're a husband, um, and I know you prioritise those. Could you share a bit about how important it is to continually be learning and adopting that same mentality in all arenas of your life? Um, yeah, well, to me, it's incredibly important. I think that, um, and I'm extremely lucky that I have a wife, um, her name's Bianca, who shares the same philosophy on life that we want to continue and improve and be better, first of all, better parents, uh, better partners to each other, and then extend that out into our own individual lives. And yeah, there's a great quote and I love my quotes because I think they there's so much that you can get out of them. And Trent Cochin said it recently, if you're not growing, you're dying. And I'm a big believer in that, that, you know, if, if you're not continuing to improve yourself and to develop as a human being, then you're actually going backwards. So for me, and I've got, you know, obviously different areas of my life, but what I've probably been able to do over time is channel that into where I want to go and what I want to do. So um, obviously, yeah, being a father and a husband are the, the things that matter most to me. Um, I have to credit a lot to my wife, Bianca. She's just unbelievable, the research and depth that she goes into about you know, bringing up our son Leo with a therapeutic approach and um, scientifically based approach to, to parenting him and, you know, uh, she's really conscious of how we behave and what we do around Leo. And I don't think enough parents are, and I'm not knocking other parents, how you raise your child is how you raise your child. But we want to be really conscious of what we're doing and how we're behaving around him because really we want to model the person that we want him to become down the track as well. And uh, So, yeah, for me, it's obviously, you know, focusing on that area of my life, how I can be a better husband to my to my wife, like I mentioned, and then with my with my teaching and my um, my coaching, I'm always looking for ways to improve and learn and grow. and And I think that's life, isn't it? You know, like there's there's always something within every opportunity, every interaction that you have with somebody that you can take out and make yourself better. You know, so I approach today as an opportunity for me to be able to tell my story. And when I listen to this back, I'm not listening to be self indulgent. I'll listen to it and go, okay, well. How many arms did I say or how many uh, how many pauses did I have? Did I actually tell that correctly? Did that hit off on people? Could I have explained that better? And I think that approach, all it does is it just means that I'm always continuing to improve and grow and be a better father, husband, teacher and coach, mentor for others. I love that. Very, very true. I suppose it's just a really good example of um, something that – Oh, I, it's forgotten. It's eluding me now. The guests that you had on your show, I was listening to recently. And we'll talk about the podcast uh, very soon. Um, but you guys were discussing the idea of showing up a, as one person in one arena and another person in another arena, and just the incongruence with that and um, how challenging that is. As opposed to being a, take yourself for example, you know, adopting a philosophical approach with yourself as a coach and with your players and. Um, the way you communicate, and, and then having that same approach around learning and improving as a as a husband and father, I think it's a really important point to make that it really is important, I suppose, to show up as that same person um, in all arenas of your life. Otherwise, yeah, that that incongruency probably becomes a little bit problematic. Would you agree? A hundred percent. And I think you're alluding to Shane McCurry, who um, who's a leadership and culture coach, and he was and he was talking about authentic leadership. And he said, you can't be someone in your life and then try and be um, a coach in 
in that part of your life. You, know, you need to be real. You need to be honest. Um, I actually had a Justin Langer as one of my guests, and like a, like you said, I know we're going to talk about the podcast in a minute, but Justin Langer was one of my guests on the show the other day, the Australian cricket coach. And the last question I asked him is, mate, I'm a young coach. What's your parting advice for me? And it was really simple. He said, know what you stand for. And I don't think a lot of people actually know that. And again, if you, I'll use an example, if you're in a business, you're in a sporting club, there's a mission statement, there's values, there's, they're all on the wall and people are really clear on what the club stands for or the organization stands for, um, who they are and what they're progressing towards. Yet we don't do that in our own life. You know, like nobody actually writes down their philosophy, their values, and you might know them on a subconscious level, but the power in actually writing that down and then being conscious of, okay, am I living these every day? Because at a football club or an organisation, if one of the values is respect and you're not being respectful, you've got a boss that's going to pull you up on that. In life, you don't have a boss. You're your boss. So you need to be conscious of the values, the behaviours that you're exhibiting. So like I said, you can then become a better person and really then what you are is you're real. You're real in every walk of life and people like real. Everybody has a bullshit radar and people know when somebody's being fake and when somebody's being real. And I think particularly Australians, we like people that are real. I love it. Let's stay in that lane, Sturge. Um, so just on the podcast, the show's emergence launched launched recently and no hyperbole, mate. I'm uh, I, I'm a massive fan. There's a lot of value just in the few I've listened to that I've gleaned already and I can't wait for future episodes. I know you've got some exciting guests um, coming up. You mentioned Justin Langer. So let's stay in that lane. Firstly, could you tell us a bit about why you started the podcast, how it all came about? Yeah, so um, you know, like a, like a lot of the world at the moment, being COVID-19, things have been put on pause, be it business, um, sports being obviously a massive industry that's been hit. And um, yeah, this was to be my first year being a VFL coach and all things are going pretty smooth and dandy. And I'd set up my work, um, being part-time at Coburg and a part-time teacher around the year and, and I was pretty happy. But um, obviously with the VFL season being put on pause along with the AFL season, I knew right there and then that our club wasn't going to be in a position to continue to pay me. Um 80% of the industry, I think, was stood down and, and ceased payment at that point in time. So, again, this has probably been my approach to life is I want to be proactive. And I looked at the situation and thought, okay, well, I want to come out of this a better father, husband, uh, coach, teacher, leader, and mentor. So I'll just start to have some conversations and reach out to people that I can learn from. And that's probably where my growth mindset and learning uh, approach comes from. And so... I did, and I just started to. I firstly started with uh, my coaches that I coach against in in the VFL, being experienced coaches like Gary Ayres and Andy Collins at Port Melbourne, Port Melbourne and Williamstown, respectively. And and then I, I think, and I, I know I said this to you the other day, but I think um, I think I was watching like Footy Classified or something, and I just saw Caro and Eddie just bickering and having an argument. I just thought, God. The world is just fueled and filled with negativity at the moment. Wouldn't it be great to share these conversations that I'm having and I'm become, you know, I'm learning and I'm feeling positive leaving them um, with other people to benefit from as well. And so I went to these people and I said, "Look, would you mind if I shared uh, these conversations with other people?" And initially they said, "Well, how are you going to share them?" And I had no idea. I didn't go into this wanting to start a podcast. 
I I went into it to have conversations to learn and grow as a human being, and and then it sort of just evolved into a podcast where now I'm sharing it with with other people. But my main intention and my main purpose behind it all is for me to learn. So all the questions that I ask, and similar to what you're asking today, is for you to get information from. Absolutely. You know, if there's if there's people that want to tune in and listen to it, that's fantastic. And most of them are going to be like-minded to how I think and the attitude that I take to life. And then there's going to be some that are critical and there's going to be some that are that don't like it. But again, it comes back to the man in the arena. Fantastic. You're in my arena, Lamb. So you'll enjoy it. You'll like it. And you know what? If you give me feedback and say, oh, I didn't get much out of this or can you improve this? I'll listen because you're in the arena, right? But um, that's the whole reason I started it was for me to learn, improve, and grow as a human being. Um, and it's just sort of extended out to me, uh, I suppose, having the opportunity to share it with other people. I bloody love that, Sturge. That's great. Um, and you sort of alluded to it there, but yeah, look, you're spot on. It's essentially the reason behind this show is for me to, to learn and to grow and to speak to people like yourself that clearly on a journey of improvement and just already in this in this chat, you know, I'm gleaming a lot of wisdom and and value. So I appreciate your time. I should have mentioned that at the top. I really do appreciate your time. And yeah, the brain taming idea is is to to learn more from people that are, like you said, in the arena and people that I can get a lot of value from. So uh, we're on the same page there. I know you would have extracted a lot of insight from each of your guests, um, but has there been anyone, not necessarily a favorite, but has there been one that's really stood out to you and maybe touched a little bit as to why? Well, yeah, like you touched on there, they've all been brilliant and I think each one of them offer different learning opportunities and that's the way that I frame my questions is I I look at the person and I go, okay, well, they've got different aspects of their leadership or their story or their life that I can actually draw upon to, again, make me a better person and better leader in the future. And so they've all been absolutely brilliant. I want to start by saying that, but I think the one that probably blew me away the most and not necessarily in the content that they said, it might've even been my perception that I had of him was Nick Maxwell. Yep. And I think Nick Maxwell is obviously captain of Collingwood Football Club who arguably the most, you either love him or you hate him and most people hate them. And I think being the captain of a, of a club that most people hate, um, people might have a perception of Nick Maxwell. It could not be further from the truth. He is the most humble, down-to-earth, and self-aware human being that I've probably spoken to on the podcast so far and and I've had the pleasure of um, meeting. And what I learned from Nick was that to stay grounded, to stay humble, to look for opportunities to learn and grow as a person, to to know how quickly that the opportunity that you have in front of you or um, that you're in right at that point in time, how quickly it can be taken away as well um, and to cherish that. But also, like I just said, his self-awareness of actually what made him a good player and how he was going to be a better teammate is something really valuable because really we can't we can't know no human being in the existence of this planet has ever been able to do everything but it's understanding what your strengths are and then playing to them and Nick spoke about that in the podcast that he said look I wasn't I wasn't a great player I didn't have a great kick I wasn't overly skilled but what I was good at was doing my role and I did that really well so yeah, so he's been probably the one that, <clears throat> sorry, Liam, um, he's been the one that's probably yeah uh, from a from a perception and going in has maybe maybe blown me away the most. 
That's interesting, and I, I must say, I was listening to that conversation yesterday. I think it was, and admittedly, I'm a I'm a Collingwood supporter. I'm a big fan, so I was probably going to tune in regardless. Uh, anyway, a Collingwood champion shows up uh, on somewhere I can listen and watch them. But, mate, uh, to your point, the the value I got from that conversation as well was um, was incredible. You know, I knew a bit of his story from outside looking in, I suppose, but to hear him share some of the backstory and get a bit more clarity around his journey of self improvement and. Um, like you kind of touched on, not having necessarily been, um, you know, blessed with the best, uh, the best skills or the best kick or whatever it was. Just his sheer will to get him to where he got to was was really inspiring. And you know, whether you play sports or not, I think it was very, very easy to to take what what he shared and, and approach it to any area of life. So yeah, I, I would agree with that one. Do you have a? The show is obviously going to continue to evolve, and I know you've just recently sat down with Justin Langer, which was which was exciting for you. Have you got a dream guest that you'd love to feature, and and why? I, I guess share a little bit about what you think you could um, learn from them. I think everybody straight away would think, okay, well, in terms of a dream guest, who's your name? You know, like I'd love to interview Barack Obama. Yep. But I'd love to interview Barack Obama, not because he's Barack Obama, the United States president. I'd love to interview Barack Obama and his struggles of being an African-American growing up in in America and being the first black president to overcoming adversity. You know, I'd love to pick a party's his framework for thinking around what he actually went through and how we how he stayed on the path. And again, we bring it back to there's no there's no linear um, approach to achieving your goal. He would have faced enormous adversity. He would have faced so many roadblocks. He would have faced that much red tape, and he's still able to achieve so much. And he's still widely respected beyond his presidency now. Yeah. So I'd love to interview him. I'd love to interview people like Conor McGregor, and again, it's not Conor McGregor, the double champ, what do you, you know, what's next for Conor McGregor, who do you want to fight next? I couldn't care less about that sort of stuff. I want to understand his story. I want to understand his framework for thinking. I want to understand the courage that it takes to get into a cage with somebody, lock the door, and then the tactics that are around it and how they actually go about that. So it's all about understanding their framework for thinking based on what their story is. So I don't necessarily have a dream guest. I look at everybody and I go, they've all got a story. What can I learn from them to make me improve? And a lot of people will be drawn to the names on there like Justin Langer and Nick Maxwell and Brent Harvey and Gary Ayres and you know Jenny Screen, these people that have represented their country or been elite athletes or whatever it is. Some of the best conversations that I've had are with people that nobody would have heard their name of before. You know, I had a conversation with a guy by the name of Joel Sardi and I'm looking to release that episode soon, um, former rifleman in the Australian Army, did a seven-month deployment in Afghanistan, came back home, was at a mate's barbecue, was meant to go back to Afghanistan a month later, had a fall, became a quadriplegic, lived in hell for three years, uh, You know, got to some really dark places, but then had a defining moment, overcame that, and now as a motivational speaker, is back in the Army, albeit in a different setting due to being a quadriplegic. But it's stories like that that I just I can still learn from and that's, like I said, that's been my whole purpose behind it. That's massive. And just to sort of digress a little bit um, quickly, if I may, that essentially the idea around brain taming is to help people fall in love with learning. And I think featuring people like yourself will will help that mission. Um, you're clearly very passionate about just improving and gleaning value where you can. Uh, and that comes across in the questions you ask. Even with some of those people that, like you touched on, you know, are big names that will draw people in to listen. But you can tell by the questions you ask, you're far more interested in um, actually learning how they got to where they were and how you can continue to, I guess, optimize yourself. So, mate, I, I, I'm glad you shared that. That was that was spot on. 
A few more before I let you go, Sturge. And it's really just around a couple of things that I've heard you say recently just in conversations I've had with you off air. And I just wanted to kind of get you to expand on a little bit if you don't mind. So I heard you mention, uh, well, to myself, that you meditate in the morning before you jump into your day. I guess I'd love to get your thoughts around how important meditation is for you and I guess what it's done for you in your life. Yeah, so there's obviously a lot of research around meditation and the benefits of it and, you know, like you, Liam, I'm, I've done a lot of research into it and, and I look at it from a uh, from a scientific point of view and how it can help me. So, again, for me, looking to improve myself as a person, that's something that's going to improve me. But what, what um, and my mum will laugh at this when she listens, I cannot sit still or stay still. You know, if we're over at my parents' house and we're having a coffee or whatever, just sitting down at the dinner table, I'll be standing up, I'll be walking around, and my mum will say to me, Andrew, sit down. You know, the, I just cannot stay still. So, <laughs> um, so meditation for me is actually an opportunity for me to control my body. And for a lot of us, our body actually controls our brain and our mind. So, in that moment when I'm meditating, that's time that I say, no, 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 body, you're going to sit down, you're going to relax and you're just going to be present and the brain and the mind is going to take over. So for me, yeah, meditation's a really good opportunity before I get into my day and I become that busy person, that that on-the-go human being that I am, to actually say, relax, breathe, centre yourself and then it allows me to attack the day being the best version of myself. Mate, that is fantastic. I could always jump through the microphone. I've got my headphones on, so I've got to be careful not to. Uh, and I reckon I could riff on that for hours with you. Um, the idea of approaching meditation from a more scientific point of view, I suppose, is something that's been it's been massive for me. And I don't want to digress too much, but I know for myself, and I know some of the people listening um, have had struggles with anxiety and some mental health challenges. And, and meditation has been massive. Similar to yourself, I really struggle to sit to sit still. So I guess approaching it from a place of okay, what an opportunity to train my brain the same way I train to kick a footy in front of goal, train my brain and my nervous system to be calm when it needs to be and, and training my body to, to slip back into the parasympathetic nervous system as opposed to the, the sympathetic, which is more of that fight or flight that I can often get stuck in. So I'm really glad you're on the same page there and uh, I think approaching it from a scientific point of view and not so much esoterical or mystical, which there is obviously a spiritual element and that's amazing. But I know for myself, and it sounds like for you too, Sturge, approaching it from a, a place of how can I calm my brain, how can I calm my body so that one, I feel good, uh, and two, so I can execute, you know, as a father, as a husband, as a coach, uh, as a businessman for myself, whatever it might be. So, uh, yeah, very well said. And I, and I think the other thing with that as well, Liam, is that meditation doesn't need to be for everybody to slow themselves down and to calm themselves down. Like you could be a naturally calm person and not be on the go all day and think, oh, well, well then what do I need to meditate? Meditate. Meditation is really about being conscious. And if you think about most of mostly everybody's days built around um, unconsciousness, you know, we take the same route to work every day. We get to our desk and we perform the same tasks most of the day. We have the same time lunch break. Um, we go home at the same time. We take the same route home and we cook dinner the same way in the same kitchen. We watch TV. We probably watch the same programs and then we go to bed and then we wake up and do it again the next day. So it's funny you mentioned there about fight or flight. You think if there's any interruption to that normality or that structure that you have in your day, like uh, a traffic jam or somebody cuts you off in traffic or somebody in the grocery store says something that you overhear and you don't like, straight away your reaction to that 
is fight or flight. You know, you're you, you become so uh, so worked up by that situation that you're not actually in control of your your emotions. And for me, doing meditation is being conscious, but it's also having the ability to regulate my emotions. So when I'm faced with those situations throughout my day, and everybody will be. I can bring it back to, okay, well, what am I feeling at the moment? Why am I feeling this way? Rationalize it, be conscious of what I'm feeling, and then move on from it. Because what most people do is when they face that throughout their day, it will stay with them for the rest of the day. So you think about it, you're on the way to work, and you face some traffic, you're shitty for the rest of the day. Scientifically, an emotion lasts for only two minutes. So after that, all you're doing is chemically, you're sending brain uh, signals from your brain to your body which make you feel a certain way, and then your body sends a chemical back to your brain, which makes you think a certain way. So you're stuck in this loop all day and you just become shitty and moody. Yep. So being conscious of being stuck in that loop and then and then being able to bring yourself out of it is gonna make you uh, is gonna make you move on and feel in a better state than what you probably would be. God, I love that. That's why I wanted to join the show, Serge. That's um that's huge, and I do agree. You mentioned as well in our chat uh, last week, I think it might have been I heard you talk about uh, having your time. Could you talk a little bit about that? So I know, if I'm not mistaken, you get up pretty early in the morning um, and you dedicate that first few hours of your day as your time to work on whatever you, 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 I guess, whatever projects you're working on, whether it's your coaching or your podcast or any other, any other things you've got on the go. And then the rest of the day is essentially dedicated to giving to others. And you spoke quite, quite eloquently about that when we were chatting. And I, I just, it was just something that stuck with me, to have that dedicated time for yourself, but then the rest of the day is really around, uh, I guess, helping and, and giving to others. Could you talk us through that approach to life? Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I get up at three in the morning every day. And the reason I do that is because, like you just alluded to, that's time where there's no distractions. Nobody else is up and awake. I've got a 19-month-old son who uh, requires a lot of time and attention as well. And it's really an opportunity for me, while there is nothing else going on in the world or in my world at that point in time, to devote to myself so I can be a better person, I can be a better leader, I can be, I can get the stuff that I want to get done during that time. That's my time. So be it meditation, be it working on projects that I'm passionate about, um, working on uh, you know my fitness. I'll go and do my running probably about five in the morning down the athletics track. So that's my time and nobody can take that away from me because the rest of my day essentially is spent giving to others. You know, I'm a father, so I need to be a father for Leo. So that's what I'm giving to him. I need to be um, the best husband I can. So that's what I'm giving to my wife, Bianca. I'm a teacher, so that's what I need to give to my students. I'm a coach, that's what I need to give to my footballers. I'm a leader, that's what I need to give to people if they call me and want to chat for advice. So a lot of the rest of my day is giving to others, but I can't turn up and be the best version of myself in those areas for other people if I haven't worked on myself first. So that's what I choose to do by getting up at three in the morning and working on myself. So then I can devote the rest of the day to being the best version of myself for other people. And, you know, people often complain about, um, people often complain about time and I don't have enough time. And, And I just say, well, you do, you just need to figure out how you can actually fit that in. So for me, it's getting up in the morning and then going to bed earlier, you know, <laughs> for, for a lot of us. Yeah. And, and, I, and I hate this, you know, people often say you're a product of your environment. Well, bullshit. I say, no, you're not. You're actually a product of your beliefs and your choices that you make. It's easier to succumb to being a product of your environment because there is no expectation. There's no pressure. That's what 
that's what people expect you to do. But what do you expect of yourself? That's what matters most. And for me, if I'm, like I said, if I'm going to be the best version of myself for other people, then I need to start and I need to find time to firstly work on myself so I can turn up and be better for others. So you've been, you've been pretty fortunate. Fortunate is probably not the word, but you, I'm sure you've um, been very appreciative of the conversations you've had with some people, not only on your show, but um, from what I understand, you have some really great relationships off air uh, as well in and out of the sporting world. I'd love to know your thoughts around how important it is having mentors. Um, so you mentioned before about being a product of your beliefs and values, I suppose, which as a human, we are very malleable. Our brains and our psychology is very malleable, but a large part of that process is, is I guess, having the right influences. So could you share some thoughts around having mentors and where people might start, I suppose, to start um, getting some guidance and, and mapping around the right people in their life, I suppose? Yeah, and it is. It's a... You know, it's a huge part of my life is having good mentors. It's a reason why I continue to reach out to these people because, um, again, by learning from them and creating connections is an opportunity for me down the track off air and not a part of the podcast to continue to reach out and, and be a part of those people. So I've firstly, before you actually think about, okay, well, who do I want as a mentor? You need to know who you are and what you stand for. So go back to that. What's your life philosophy? What's your you know, what's your writing piece or your values or what matters to you? Because then that'll actually help you look at mentors and people that are aligned to your way of thinking. And then they're just an example for you to somewhat follow. But again, be authentic in how you go about that. So uh, that that's the first process is understanding what matters to you. And then after that is, yeah, looking looking at people to go, okay, well, they're, they're living that. I can see it through their actions. And they're somebody that I want to get in contact with. And and the thing that most people struggle with is actually asking the question. Um, most people don't have the courage to go and call Justin Langer and say, can I have a chat because I want to learn. Um, most people don't have the courage to go and seek a mentor that they think is unreachable because that's their that's their view on it. Ask. The worst they can say is no. You know, like at the end of the day, what, what type of person and, and where do you want to get to? And if you can look at somebody that's got there, and use them as a mentor, then why wouldn't you ask the question? And what you'll find is if you come from a position of, and all mentorship is about learning, if you come from a position of, I want to learn, most people are really giving with their time and want to actually help others be better themselves. And that's what I found through the podcast is all these people I've reached out to and people are somewhat blown away by the list of people that I have. All I've done is ask them the question and come from the position of, I'd love to learn from you. And They've approached that that way as well. So I'll just share a really quick story of uh, my mentor, who is a guy by the name of Brendan Murray. And Brendan Murray was a founder of a, a youth prison here in Victoria at both Parkville and Malmesbury campuses. And Brendan is just a fantastic human being. And he's so calm and patient and uh, really giving. And Brendan has a quote that he basically lives his life by, and it's a way that we approached the students in there because I think, again, most people would probably see the stuff on the news of those kids that end up in prison and think, oh, they're dirtbags, they're ratbags, they're, they're this and that. So they're quick to judge and, and they don't actually give them much hope in life. But teaching in there taught me so much about the power in how people can improve and get better. And there's a beautiful quote that, uh, like I said, that he lives by and that we lived by. That was our philosophy in there was, uh, and it's something that I live by now is treat a person as they are, they will remain as they are, treat a person as what they could be, and they will become what they should be. And really, that's um, that's something that I've learned from Brendan. Now, if I didn't meet Brendan, if I didn't continue to ask Brendan for guidance and help, 
maybe I wouldn't be living my life like that. Maybe I wouldn't have been afforded the opportunities that I've had because I might have had a different outlook on it. So yeah, mentorship for me is massive. And for anybody else listening out there that um, is wondering how to go about getting a mentor, firstly, focus on what matters to you and then developing your mentor will become easier after that. I agree. I think finding out, I shouldn't say finding, I think really taking the time to get clear on what is important to you as step one is really important. Sturge, I'll, I'll let you go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, I want you to leave us with one more and then uh, and then we'll wrap. And mate, today's been exactly what I wanted it to be. We touched on a few times throughout the show uh, that, you know, certainly with your, what, what, what you're doing with your sh- podcast and my approach to this one here is for me to learn, but I do, ho- and I've gotten so much value. I hope people listening have as well. And if so, that, that's a bonus. The idea around brain tainment and what I'm trying to put together is to help people fall in love with learning and make it sexy, I suppose, in the world of self-improvement, personal development. I want it to be a lot more digestible for the masses. And I think having someone like you on the show is helping us move in that direction. I want to ask, just to wrap up, any final, I guess, piece of advice or thoughts around where to start for someone that perhaps hasn't hasn't spent you know, the last few years really working on themselves, so to speak. Maybe they're not super clear on who they want to become or what they want to accomplish or the kind of person they want to be, but they're interested in, in following that process, um, but they don't know where to start. Any thoughts around, I guess, kind of a starting point for that journey for someone listening that, that's ready to kind of dive into it all? Yeah, and, it's, and it is. It's difficult because particularly if you're at a really low point and if you're so accustomed to thinking and feeling a certain way, it's actually hard to draw yourself out of that because, um, like I've mentioned throughout the podcast, it becomes autopilot. So it becomes who you are. So to actually change, and that's why we we naturally struggle with change. Um, Look at this COVID-19 situation. The world's gone mad. Like we're stealing toilet paper off each other. We're fighting each other in the shops (laughs) because people really struggle with change and and it's the hardest thing to do. So one thing that I've learned from all the conversations that I've had through my podcast, and if I was to break it down into four, uh, four bits of advice or four bullet points, so to speak, is all the people that I've spoken to have, I think, have these four things, and I've mentioned it. Know who you are. So first of all, you need to sit down and you need to draw up the 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 person that you, the ideal person that you want to be, not the person that you are right now, if you're starting from a really low point. What's the ideal person that you want to be? What do you stand for? Where do you want to get to? Okay, that's where I would start is know who you are. Write down it in a philosophy. The second one is, Love what you do and be passionate about it. And again, a lot of us, and again, people say, I used the quote before, you're a product of your environment. No, you're a product of your beliefs and choices. So a lot of people say, oh, well, I have to work, I have to do this. And of course, we all do. But you can still make time for passion projects. You can still make time for doing what you love and what you're invested in. So then one day it becomes um, a passion and a job for you, you know, and if you're passionate about what you what you do every day, you won't work a day in your life, as the old saying goes. So again, knowing who you are, love what you do and be passionate about it and then working towards that. The next one is a clear intention with an elevated emotion. And by that, I mean, you need to be really clear and specific about what your intent is. Okay, so it sort of comes back to the know who you are. And then the elevated emotion, because if, uh, and like I said at the start, I think a lot of people have the outcome in mind, but they don't have enough purpose or emotion behind it to actually want to get them there. Everybody wants the dream. Not enough, not enough people are really invested in the process and the work that needs to go into it to actually make it come true. Okay. And then the last one, and it's pretty simple, work hard. Like just get out there and work hard and put yourself out there and grind. And, and like I said, 
if you're telling this story to yourself and then you start to tell it to others and others that are knocking you and doubting you and whatever, put them to the side, the ones that you genuinely care about what they say. And again, I hate the quote, oh, I don't care about what anybody thinks. Everybody cares about what somebody thinks, but you get the choice about who those people are. So, you know, going to the people that you genuinely care and value what they say in all the stuff that you want to do and want to achieve, because they're going to be the ones that support you. They're the ones that are going to be the, the ones that keep you accountable. And they're the ones that are going to believe in you if you're struggling at the moment to believe in yourself. So not sure if I answered that for you, Liam, but I hope that you got something out of that and I hope people do. Sergio was massive and what a perfect note to finish on. A lot of value, a lot of value. Again, I've said it a couple of times, but you've been very generous with your time. I appreciate it. I know anyone listening to this, whether it's two people or a thousand and two, they'll be very appreciative as well. So really looking forward to following your journey, whenever that might be. Obviously, there's a lot of ambiguity around the uh, the football world at the moment. Um, we didn't get a chance to talk too much on about the future there. But that being said, I got exactly what I wanted from the show and I hope the listeners did did too. So Sturge, once again, appreciate you coming on the show and, and sharing what you have. Anytime, Liam. I'm yeah happy to help. And I think what you're doing and that approach of just wanting to learn and improve yourself aligns heavily to mine. That's why I agreed to come on. I'm not about sensationalism. I'm about learning and improving, which hopefully people got out of it. And uh, yeah, happy to come on anytime, given the fact that that's the, the line of thinking that you carry with you as well. So thank you.